Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast for The Knockdown. Thanks, as always, for listening. The new Golf Magazine is our first ever style issue. On the cover is a very snazzy uh, photo of Adam Scott. On the pages within, I have a long Q&A with John Ashworth, our guest today on the podcast. This will be the director's cut of that conversation. We're going to go really deep here. We only went medium deep in the magazine. Of course, you know the name Ashworth. Uh, That clothing company probably changed the way we dress more than any other back in the late 80s and early 90s. Just more stylish cuts, finer materials, and a completely different aesthetic than all the ugly, tacky golf clothes that had come before it. John went on to found Fidra, and now his current passion project, Link Soul. And I'm not just saying this because the founder is sitting across from me. I'm a I'm a big fan of Link Soul. I have a, a lot of that stuff in my closet. If you haven't checked it out um, as an inducement, uh, John here cooked up a coupon code for all of you listeners that you can apply on the Link Soul website. It's NUK20, N U C K 20. Plug that in, you'll get 20% off, and uh, you, can, you can see what all the fuss is about. But um, let's, let's get to the conversation. So, Ash, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Shippy. <laughs> it's a great spot. So yeah. tell me about your journey through golf. I, I, I know that it's, yeah. it's been long and winding. Wh- where and when did you fall in love with the game? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much been nonstop since I can remember, to be honest with you. I mean, I started playing golf uh, after, you know, I was probably eight, nine years old, Um the story goes, you know, I, you know, I was at that time, you know, playing all kinds of sports, just running around as a kid. I just loved being outside. And, and, uh, this one, uh, fall, I think when I was eight years old, my mom got on this kick that everyone was going to go to Sunday school. Right. So I got four sisters and a brother. I'm number five. So I was kind of like the forgotten kid running around. Right. So, <laughs> I didn't really like that idea that much, so, but she was all for it, and uh, so she took us all to Sunday school, and uh, I mean, I absolutely, you know, it, it couldn't be worse, right? You're in this room, <laughs> it's it's really nice outside, you know, it's a fall day, football's on TV, you know, back then, you know. And Been there. Yeah, you know, and it's, you're pulling your hair out, you know, and it's just like, oh my God. So I must have complained so much to my mom that... Uh, uh, she then got my dad involved, and uh, he, of course, had his Sundays lined up. He'd play golf every Sunday. He was a school teacher. Yeah. So he was a school teacher. She was a nurse. They were juggling all this stuff. You know, back in the, this was 1967, 60, yeah, 67, 68, right there. So um, he's like, okay, listen, let's, she came back to me and said, okay, look, you either go to Sunday school or you go caddy for your dad on Sundays with his group. So that was the deal they struck. So that's how I got introduced to golf. I'd go, to, I'd go caddy for my dad every Sunday, you know, with his, he'd be playing with his buddies, you know, so. That's kind of a glimpse at a secret world where it's guys being guys away from your mom, away from the other kids. It must have been eye-opening. Like, it's sort of your first glimpse of what your dad is really like in some ways. Uh, absolutely. No, we, you know, we, he joined this little men's club. It was a, it was a public golf course, but they had a men's club. It was a San Luis Rey Downs, you know, out here in Bonzel, which is no, it's not even there anymore, which is really sad. So, 
you know, it was about, I don't know, probably a 25-minute commute from our house, you know. And uh, so we'd get up, you know, before before the light, right? We'd get up and drive, you know, go to the co- – he'd get a cup of coffee. And there was it was a donut shop too, so I got a donut. So now, you know, now you're talking, right? A milk and a donut for a kid, right? <laughs> and uh, and then we'd drive out there and then he played – he had a regular group. He played with this guy that was a principal at, the, at a school. He was a teacher. There was a doctor, uh, and then there was a uh, another teacher, I think. So, you know, and these guys were all, like, probably between, you know, I want to say five and ten handicaps, you know. Yeah, so they could play. And they all walked, you know. And he, my dad had a pull cart, so I was pulling. He was probably, you know, carrying me half the time, you know, back then. <laughs> but, but, yeah, and it was just being outside and, you know, the light and, it, you know, going from cool to warm by the end of the day and. You know, just all those things around golf that, you know, I just got exposed to. And that's, and I fell in love with it, you know. Were you tuned in early on to the the uniform that golfers wear, the, the, the tassel-y shoes? Yeah, and, you know, all that. yeah, they had that. And the spikes on the concrete, you know, was which, you know, you don't hear anymore. But, you know, it's a that great whole, sound. That sound. Uh, and, you know, just... Yeah, it was it was it was pretty amazing really and it just kind of seeped into me. You know, the light on a golf course, there was a lot of trees so you know the dappled light, sunlight coming through and the dew on the green and the greens and you know just all those things that you know are pretty special. And uh yeah, that was, you know, and then after that then I started watching it on TV. You know, and fell in love with Arnold Palmer and you know I wasn't a big Nicholas fan at time. I am now actually, but yeah. then I wasn't because I was an Arnie guy, right? Yeah. So it's one or the other. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, so I pretty much learned golf just watching it, you know. But then I became a a range rat, you know. I I loved to play and practice, and even when I was nine years old. So, and you got you got good enough to play at Arizona. So tell me the the highlight of your youth but before you get to college what was the best thing you ever did on a golf course okay i would say you know we had this great program in our little you know i grew up in escondido so it was north county north san diego county and they, they this little couple had north county junior golf so like in the summer every monday you know you send in your entry fill out your entry form send it in with a buck for one dollar you got to play the golf course you know maybe win a trophy you got a hot dog, chips, and a Coke, you know. Every Monday, it was just like heaven, you know. So. The original first tee, right? Oh, there. it was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. So did that. But then I would say a uh, couple things when I was a kid. I, I qualified for the U.S. Junior uh, one year when I was 17 from San Diego County. And uh, that was a good experience. And where was then, it? Where was it held? It was at Haiwan Country Club in uh, outside of Denver, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. But that that was your first exposure to really big time. Oh golf. yeah, big time golf. Yeah, we took a. I think it was the first time I flew in a plane. You know, we flew from San Diego to Denver, and uh, Doug Clark was the other guy from. You know, I don't know if you remember that name, Doug Clark. He was an amazing junior golfer. He like won the Transmiss and like all. The, he was like member at like Hoya Country Club. Gene Littler at the time said, you know, he should skip college and just go right to the pros, man. Yeah. So we qualified together, went back there, and, and you know, and then you play the 36-hole medal play, and if you make that, you get the match play, right? So so he obviously qualified, and then I qualified, which was great. I think I shot, you know, a couple of 76s. And, yeah. 
I was stoked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but then first match, I get paired against him. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> so he kind of. I think he went easy on me, but he still beat me three and two. You know, <laughs> so, but it was a great experience. Do you remember uh, who won it that year? He he lost in a playoff to Madden Hatcher the third. I don't know if you remember that. It's great cat, name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever, you know, did anything, but he won that, which was that's plenty. Um, and then the other thing uh, was really good is when I was seventeen. Also, I uh, I won the San Diego City Junior Champ, beat Jeff Hart in a playoff. Nice. Which I still rub it into him. We're still buddies. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is his comeback? He doesn't have much of one, but he, you know, he played. He's played on the tours all over the world and yeah. made a bunch of money, and you know. So, um, but what really matters is San Diego City. Yeah, San Diego City Junior. You know, that's it. The funny thing about that is, I shot. Set, it was a Balboa. You know, down. I don't know if you ever. Played yeah, it's Balboa. great. I it's a great it. little course. So the first round, I shot seventy-seven, and uh, and a buddy of mine was down from. San Luis Obispo, and we were just monkeying around. And I told my mom, you know, because Escondido is about a half hour drive, you know. And I go, hey, you know, I'm not going to go play the second round. I'm going to, we're going to go up to, I think we're going to try to drive to like Big Bear or something, you know. And she got so pissed at me. She goes, absolutely not. You get your ass down there and you play that second round. I'm like, whoa, okay. Old school. I go down, shoot 67, second round and tight and tight heart, you know. So, um, Good for her, you know. Yeah, life lesson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. You know, so this you know this podcast is pegged to the style issue in, in the new golf magazine, gotcha. and and you're the oracle of style. I, I mean, this is this is the '60s and the '70s, yeah. and yeah, uh, it's it's probably not going to be remembered fondly for uh, for fashion. Uh, right. So, at what point do you get tuned into to all this? Well, when I was in high school, you know, played on the high school golf team, and and you know, uh, I don't know if you don't go back as far as I do, but you know, I didn't tell people I played golf really because it kind of you 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 were like a nerd or a geek, you know, if you were a golfer. Because, but a lot of times, because you know what guys were wearing then in the seventies, you know, it was like super loud polyester pants, bell bottoms with super loud shirts and. You know, you just, it's stuff that you wouldn't be caught dead in, in the real world, right? <laughs> so, I, you know, and then, and then, like I said, I ended up playing one year at Palomar Junior College. I had a really good season, so I got recruited by Arizona. And so I went to Arizona, and uh, our golf uniforms were just awful. They were like just bulletproof polyester pants, just the worst of the worst, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and of course, I was just affected by that somehow. You know, I just like hurt your self esteem. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, I had a pretty mediocre college career, and then, um, and then when I went into the real world, I had no clue what I was going to do. You know, really, and uh, I ended up caddying on the tour for Mark Weeby, and uh, this would have been like eighty, eighty four. What was the connection to Weeby? We grew up together. He grew up in Escondido too. So when we played junior golf all through, like we'd drive to tournaments. When he, he was about a year and a half older than me, and he got his license, and he had this little car, and we, so he was my carpool ride. We'd ride to tournaments, and we practiced and played all the time together. Awesome. Yeah. So, I was floundering after college. I just couldn't stick with anything. He goes, "Why don't you come caddy for me?" You know. That's the criteria to be a tour caddy, just right. floundering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, nineteen eighty four. So uh, he goes, yeah, come out and um, 
you know, I back then tour school used to be twice a year. I don't know if you remember that, but it was totally different. And uh, he had tried a few times, I think, you know, a handful of times and didn't make it. But what a great golfer, right? So he said, look, come caddy for me on the mini tours and we'll just work our way and just do the, you know, the regionals, the sectionals, the regionals, and the finals tour school. It was a three-stage deal. And I said, yeah, let's do it, you know. So went through that process, made it to the finals, TPC, Sawgrass. He gets his card. Everything's awesome, right? So I go, you get your card. Well, I'll caddy for you for a year. I don't really want to be a lifer caddy because I wanted, I do want to do other stuff. I don't know what it is, but I want to figure something out. And so off we went. And back then, you got, I was getting like 250 bucks a week plus, uh, plus like 5% or whatever you want, right? <laughs> Are you just sharing hotel rooms? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just scrapping it, you know, just <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, uh, he had a pretty, challenging rookie year to say the least <laughs> what was the low light so well five percent right so what's five yeah. percent of 19 grand is that because that's what he won it ain't much <laughs> so um but there was a lot of highlight I, I had such a great time you know just traveling i slept in my car a few times and uh one of the highlights actually was um uh, going down to the florida swing and since he was a rookie it wasn't like he was in every week right Right. So down in the Honda Classic and back then it was totally different. Like you could actually literally show up and maybe get another guy's bag. Right. You know, if you hang around the parking lot, somebody shows up and doesn't have a caddy, you know, it was, it's like turning tricks. You just hang out in the parking lot. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he was buddies with Payne Stewart they played a lot of practice rounds together. So I got to know Payne pretty good, which was great, right? Yeah. So I I went and uh, this will tell you something about Payne too cuz I'm just just lowly caddy, you know, and and um I'm sitting there trying to get a bag at the Honda Classic and Payne shows up because, "Hey, Ash, what are you doing? What are you where's Mark?" And guy goes, he didn't get in the tournament. You know, I'm just kind of seeing if I can pick up somebody or whatever, maybe caddy in the pro am, make a couple bucks or whatever. He goes, where are you staying? I go, I'm staying in my car right now. I don't, you know, I don't, don't even. I got like twenty bucks in my pocket, you know. And uh, he goes, once stay with me. I go, what? I go, really? He goes, yeah. I my wife's not here. I got a room. It's got two beds. Stay with me for the week. So here's pain. You know, I know him a little bit, right? But you know, I'm a caddy. Yeah. You know, so I stayed with him for the week. We'd go out to dinner at night. We went to a couple movies, you know. It was just great. You know, yeah. it was awesome. Um, so we were friends, you know, all throughout. It was a really sad day when that whole thing went down. Yeah. Obviously. So so that's an interesting era in the tour. I mean, it's yeah. kind of Nicholas is in his twilight. Yeah. Watson, he's kind of, he's, he's kind of, the end of Watson is basically 83. Yeah. Um, and the European invasion is just starting yeah. at Augusta. So what, what was the vibe like on the tour? It was, it was really interesting. You know, and another in, really crazy story is, uh, another time at, at TPC again, Mark didn't get in that tournament. And, uh, so I was again trying to, sh- you know, find a bag that week. And sure enough, I'm in the parking lot of TPC and drives, you know, in drives Dave Stockton. 
And I approached him. I go, hey, Mr. Stockton, you know, I was wondering if you had a caddy this week. And he goes, matter of fact, I don't. Do you want a caddy for me? I go, yeah. Boom, caddy for Dave Stockton that week. He's paired with Arnold Palmer and Gary Player the first two rounds. <laughs> How right. good is that? That's good. Yeah. Is <laughs> that a ringside seat to that? It was amazing. Uh, but, yeah, no, the vibe was – it was an interesting time, you know. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, Watson was still going. I mean, he was probably wasn't winning as much, but he was kind of the, still the man. Yeah. Uh, Seve. Seve was fun to watch, you know. Um, and there was none of the corporate feel now. I mean, it was still, it was still kind still of a barnstorming a, tour, right? A little bit, yeah. It, but it was still like being with the circus, though, you know. You'd roll into town. You kind of feel special, and everybody was fired up, you know, and there was yeah. parties going on and stuff. But what it gave me a chance to do is see – what everybody was wearing, you know, and see the vibe in different places in the country, you know, in the South and in the Northeast. And and so it was a really, you know, kind of an eye opener um, just to see what was happening in the golf world. Uh, so I think I developed a lot of, you know, definitely a lot of ideas uh, around, you know, where I, where I could see, uh, you know, the look going, I guess. Yeah. So how do you go from, from hating golf clothes to starting your own company? Right. Um, one of the things I always got was I felt like golf got such a bum rap to the people that didn't play golf. Right. right. Like, why does it seem like people, you know, golf's uncool? Because it's the coolest thing in the world, right? I mean, you know, so... And I, I, I just figured it was around, kind of a little bit around the style and the fashion of what was happening, and, um, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe the that it was portrayed as, as kind of a this rich man game too a little bit. I don't think that really helped it too much, right? You know? Which is so, obviously the opposite of your own experience. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, growing I mean, up, public course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So after I. I met when I caddied for Mark. His uh, his main sponsor was a guy named Jerry Montiel, who we got to be friends. And Jerry was a very entrepreneurial type of guy, and he he decided to uh, he was going to open up a, a retail store in Denver, Colorado, because he had this ten thousand square foot building, and he was going to make it golf, tennis, cycling, skiing, kind of upper end. So it's 1985. The economy was kind of weak, but he went for it anyway. And so he asked me to come work for him and be the buyer and the manager of this of the golf tennis department. You know, so it was great for me because I got, you know, I got to see what everybody else was doing. You know, I'd look at all the lines and see what the look was and what the style was. So that was, a, you know, I still had no idea I was going to, start Ashworth at this time and but I got to kind of take it all in right so uh but unfortunately for him the whole concept didn't work and he had to close it up and um and he 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 asked me he goes hey if you stay here and help me you know liquidate this stuff and you know figure out what to do uh go through the process of closing a store which was a horrible experience um then we'll figure out another business to start I go, okay, fine, I'll, I'll help you out. And um, so through that process, long story short, we I basically said, look, it, golf clothing is ridiculously bad. And if I think we could actually develop something that guys like us want to wear and uh, have it be a little bit 
you know, a little bit more natural, a little bit more on course, off course appeal and, uh, kind of being the entrepreneur that he was, he kind of saw the opening too and said, yeah, let's do it. You know? So kind of off we went, you know, 19, late 1986. And so that, that's a very kind of simple vision of, of what you want, but how, how do you bring it to life? <laughs> um, I, you know, didn't know my ass from third base, basically. <laughs> but I but I knew I either had to move to New York. I was in Denver at the time. We were in Denver. And I knew I needed to either have to move, you know, for some reason. I just instinctively kind of felt like I either had to move to New York or L.A. Because I was thinking that's where the garment districts were. So I basically moved, up, moved to L.A. And uh, we raised a little bit of money and kind of just had this vision of trying to make clothing. And, you know, just kind of just school of hard knocks in LA, you know, and, uh, ended up hiring this girl that was a girlfriend of a golf buddy of mine that happened to be a designer that designed really nice dresses, you know, but <laughs> okay, I'm going to hire you, you know, like <laughs> seemed like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we just kind of figured it out like rudimentary, you know, I, I, had an office down, you know, downtown LA, 7th and Main. It was just super gnarly and, you know, yeah. ru rugged. <laughs> but the but the mart was there, you know, the the fashion mart or whatever. So you could go and you know, look at fabrics and, you know, trims and buttons and zippers and all that stuff. So, um I'd go and just sort of rolodex it out and look for stuff and then there was contractors around the area, so I'd like just kind of like pieced it together. Yeah. You know, and 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 you were the stylist. Is is what what you liked, what you yeah. wanted, and that was it. Yeah, I worked with her, and we just said, you know, colors and fabrics and and everything, and just kind of. I mean, when I look back on it, I think, oh my god, how in the world there was, you know, because the, then you think, okay, first of all, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> Second of all, there was no cell phones, there was no car phones, there was no faxes, there was no personal computers. Yeah. Then you start going, oh, my God, how in the world did this happen? <laughs> yeah. You know? Not to mention there's no website to sell your stuff no on. No website, so. no nothing, you know? Uh, anyway, it was uh, it was crazy. But but, but, it, but you it, did have the tour connection. That was we huge. Had the tour. That was huge. I mean, that was, you know, obviously that was probably the biggest thing because I didn't really know Fred in college, but we played at the same time, right? So when we decided to start this clothing company, I pretty much said, hey, we need a couple guys we can hang our hats on, like that really, re you know, kind of represent what we want to do. And, you know, we're talking about, and it was just, there was one clear choice, which was Fred, because I'd seen him in college tournaments, and, and I just thought, that guy's so, so cool. You yeah. know, I mean, just yeah. back then. He just oozes. He it. just saunters down the fairway, yeah. you know, his shirt's untucked, and, you know, even back, you know, it's like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that guy's got plenty of it, you know. Yeah. So, um, and then and then I also, you know, really like John Cook. He was a super, you know, still is, and they're both great guys, right? And uh, so I just went and approached both of them, uh, told them what I was doing, and and said, hey, you know, I'd love to have you guys be a part of it, and and they were in, you know. 
So I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. It's just a simpler time. Imagine trying to walk up to, you know, Jordan Speed oh, or, yeah. you know, someone like that. The, the layers of bureaucracy you'd have to go through. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So they started wearing the clothes almost right away. Yeah, they did. I mean, we just still did an agreement with, with sure. them. And, you know, I mean, you know, we didn't have any money, but we gave them a little piece of this little stake in the company. And, you know, um, you know, and over the years, did they did really well with that. Um well, and, and Freddie, obviously, he was on a rocket ship in the late yeah. 80s. He, he just yeah. started winning tournaments. Yeah, he just started just going Richter. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then he won the Masters in 92, and that's when we really caught fire, you know. Um, but, you know, but with that, then, you know, Ernie Els, you know, as a kid, loved Freddie. So Ernie, Ernie approached us when he was 20 years old and said, hey, I want to wear your stuff. You know, like, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, and then, and then. Full circle, Dave Stockton was doing good on the Ryder Cup captain, doing good on the Champions Tour. You know, he started wearing, you know, Ashworth. So That's that was great. that was funny. Um, but yeah, and then part of the part of the positioning was not only to try to make clothing that was a little bit more had a cool factor, but to present it in such a way that you know, uh, from a visual vocabulary standpoint that people if they saw something with Ashworth it was like wow that's really different and cool you know we used to do a lot of black and white photography I remember that and we didn't we would never do photo shoots on a golf course it was always some you know industrial landscape or you know like totally uh lifestyle off way off the grid and uh and in a super creative way so it would just kind of like stand out you know and I remember that so it was just comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, you, you sort of single-handedly killed polyester for about 15 years. Tried to, yeah. That was the goal, you know. Then it came back. <laughs> and now it's, but you can't kill it. No, it's, you it's can't not, kill it's it. It's just not alive. Yeah, uh, I know. So walk me through how, how, how everything changed. I mean, at some point, golf fashion became obsessed with uh, synthetic materials. We're athletes. I mean, obviously, right. Tiger's a part right. of that. Yeah. And... We, we need to wick away moisture right, right, and right. we need to have SPF factors. And yeah. I mean, all these things are useful, I guess, but yeah. it, it, it kind of, it, it went away from this whole aesthetic that you'd created. So, yeah, you know, I, I ended up, I actually ended up leaving the company in uh, 97. That's right. Kind of when Tiger was trying just doing his, his explosion thing. Um, and I kind of stepped, I kind of stepped away for a while. I actually moved to Scotland <laughs> Nice. Yeah. But my take on that whole bit is the fact that, you know, back in the Ashworth days, there was no Nike. There was no Adidas. There was, it was more of a mom and pop kind of cottage industry. And, and I think, I think a lot of those people saw how successful we were and said, Hey, I want a piece of that kind of thing. Right. And then Nike got in when Tiger came out. I actually thought we had a halfway shot at Tiger at the time because, um, he used to wear Ashworth as a, as you know, as a junior. Yeah, so like California yeah, kid. Yeah, but then you know, obviously we weren't even in the ballpark, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, the way I look at it is, you know, Nike and Adidas and those comp- those athletic companies. You know, are, you know, they make soccer clothes and football uniforms and stuff, and that you know they use synthetic fibers for that because they're just they take a beating and they you know. Um, you know, and those are the factories they work in. So I think when they got into golf, they just go, "Well, we got our factories. 
we can make synthetic yarns, you know, uh, fabrics, and they have the right needle for that. They have the right sewing machines. We'll just take a polo and just use that fabric kind of thing. And then try and market it. Oh, yeah. It. No, then, the, yeah, the climate cool and all the moisture wicking thing and all that stuff. I mean, basically, it doesn't absorb water. <laughs> you know, so it's a, you know, um, but it's uh, to me i've just never i just have never liked the feel of it on my body like i can't i can't wear a 100% polyester shirt next to me my skin really just kind of makes my skin crawl that's like a smell too yeah it does. well it traps it it you know the perspiration gets trapped and it just you know it but even the material itself even yeah. when it's brand new you haven't yeah. even worn it, it 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 but it does get stinky sweat like yeah. bad bo uh you know stuff on that yeah you know so that that should be know. your slogan. Yeah. Links all. No B.O. <laughs> no B.O. So, yeah. So it came back with a vengeance, you know. And the thing about synthetics is you can get these wild colors, you know. You know, it just. Uh, so then it, it, you know, came right back to polyester, everything with white belts. And it was like all over again. It was like deja vu, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Were you just personally offended? Well, you know, it's different, you know different strokes for different folks it's just not my cup of tea and i just think there's a lot of people that that are kind of like like more natural stuff and you know and let's face it i mean uh even a core golfer is playing once a week right or maybe twice a week if they're lucky but you know i want to make clothing that can be transitional like even if you go to work and you kind of don't even know but you might be able to sneak out for nine i mean you don't need to you don't need to look like a golfer, you know. I don't think there. I don't think there should be a golf uniform. I guess you know, like oh, I'm gonna go put on my Batman suit and go, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, I like that. So, tell me about. I'm interested in your your, your Scotland sojourn. Um, what was that all about? Well, it's kind of a long story. I'll try to <laughs> give me the, I'll give you give the, the medium version. Yeah. All right, so. Ashworth was just cranking along and I started going, I went over to Scotland in the early nineties and it just blew my mind. Right. I was just like, yeah, you've been over there, right? Yeah. Many yeah. times. No, I, and I it, get the it. The first time did it blow you. Like you just went like, I, you know. I often fantasize about getting a little cottage on the hill above Cruden Bay yeah. and, and just Especially living Especially as a writer. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. Living there for six, I play 36 a day, yeah. write the great American novel. Yeah. You know, it's sure. whether it's ever going to happen, who knows, but I, I, I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. I, I know that, that it's a romantic ideal for every golfer. So it's cool that you actually did it. I know. So I went over there in the early nineties and like I said, it just blew my mind, the whole culture of it. Right. Like, especially like I went to like, the, the East Lothian coastline for some reason, like Gullen and Muirfield, North Berwick and all that stuff. And and I was just blown away by like just the culture of it. Like how many just regular people in the village played golf and talked about it. And like you see them walking down the street with their clubs and, oh, hey, Joe, yeah, let's go, you know. Did you play in the metal and blah, 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 You know, it's like. Yeah. The course is the center of town in some ways. Center of town. Like yeah. you go right through it and you just. Yeah it's on each side of the road, you know? And, and I was just like, I just thought it was like epic, you know? And so anyway, you know, fast forward a few years later, I'd start, I'd go over there every year. So I'm playing Gullen one time and the caddy goes, Hey John, you know, do you see that big piece of land over there next to Muirfield? That's been zoned for 
there used to be two golf courses there that disappeared. So back in the 1800s, there was a course called Archer Field, and there was a course called Fidra. It was a nine-hole course. So the hair on the back of my neck just stood up like, like whoa. <laughs> I had goosebumps all over me. And I'm like, because you're up on King's Chair, the seventh tee box. That's a great at spot. Gullen. Yeah. It's an awesome spot. And you're looking down over this thing. And I was like, oh, my God. And he goes, you know, it's zoned. There's been a few people that have tried to develop that spot, you know. And I go, wow. So I started digging around. And sure enough, I mean, it's a beautiful piece of land. And anyway, I just got all fired up. And and I went back to my board of directors and said, hey, look, at, I know this is not typical, but I feel like, you know, if we could kind of like put our flag down in the soil next to the home of the honorable company in a, in a cool way to bring back these old lost links courses that as a golf lifestyle, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Right. I mean, people will be coming to watch the open every year and every five years, it's going to be in Mirfield most likely, you know, I don't know how that whole thing played out with the women's thing, but I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. But I was just, I guess, you know, from a sort of a vision point of view, I thought, oh, my God, you know, I mean. It's ultimate in branding. Build your own Lynx course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring them back. Bring back yeah. two Lynx courses and have a little boutique hotel. And, you know, now you're, now, yeah, okay, I'm going to do a Sherpa fleece, you know, jacket. And, you know, you know, <laughs> now you can make product for that and it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, real. And it's global. And we were already a global company. And I'm just thinking that this is like. This I don't see any downside on this, you know. So what and, did the board of directors say? Oh, they thought I had three heads. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they thought I was out of my tree. I probably was, but no, they they're like, eh, nah. And I was I was I was I was saying, hey, we'll find a way to finance it somewhere else. But this is what I think I'd like to do for the, and I think it should be part of the company. And anyway, they didn't they didn't really see eye to eye in that, and I ended up leaving to go do that. Leaving the company. Yeah. Your company. Yeah. And it was a family company because everyone... Was it was, but we were a public company. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. we were a public company, you know, so... Because pretty much all your siblings have had a role. We've, you know, I've had, yeah. My brother was, in, you know, sales manager and my sister was customer service. And um, It's a big deal to leave a company that has your own name on it. It was kind of a big deal. I didn't think of it that... I should have thought it through a little bit more probably. <laughs> Uh, but, but at the time, any... I was just, you know, we had this, we hired a guy to come in to help run it, and he and I were just not getting along. Yeah. And that's why it was just, like, painful to, you know. Because he was an actual business person, and you were just well, an idealist. He... I See, I don't look at it that way. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, that's, I guess you could broad stroke it that way. But, I mean, you know, he was, uh, I don't know, he was just too too much of a... <laughs> you don't have to say it. Let's anyway, move on. Let's move so, on. Yeah. yeah. So every golfer who, who sees a piece of land that's pretty yeah. dreams about building the right. golf course. You actually tried to do it. So right. what happened? So, yeah. So I, I, you know, I kind of commuted back and forth. I still had a family here and stuff. But my wife was totally cool with it because we were thinking, like, she went to school in, in, in Europe, you know, at a, and so she thought, we thought, hey, let's have her. We had young kids. Yeah. 
let's let's get something settled over there and we'll have the kids go to school over there. Awesome. How cool, right? Yeah. So she was all in, and so I started going back and forth, back and forth, and, and uh, you know, just kind of digging into this project, and, um, you know, and it was a big project, you know. It was, like, dealing with historic Scotland and, like, the environmental studies and, like, architects, oh, yeah. and I got Tom Doak to kind of route a couple golf courses. Um, yeah. And, uh, and we got, I got, plan- I went through this whole process and got planning permission, but I was, uh. I was kind of dragging my feet on, you know, how am I going to finance this thing? <laughs> you know, I had an option on this land. And um, I would think there's enough rich guys out there who'd want that's a piece what I thought. of it. That's what I thought, you know, and it was like, but it was, it, it was kind of a complicated deal. And I, and I sort of like, I did a handshake deal with this one guy, this local guy. Yeah. Too much so to where, long story short, I ended up sort of getting carved out of this thing. Uh, with some investors that I had into, and uh, it was kind of it didn't end well. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I knew that was coming. By it the didn't. Way. It didn't end well. But 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 the interesting and kind of the cool thing is that it all came down to earth. It's all there. The Renaissance course at Archerfield. Yeah, that's on that site. And the bummer is the guy that kind of screwed us out. He ended up. He did the typical. Put the put the golf course in the bad land and the development in the good land. And Come it on, just, man. you know, no, it was, it was ridiculous. I, you know, so that's the only bummer is that two of the golf courses are pretty pedestrian where they could have been really cool. You know, do you, so. just get, do you, do you, do you get like a discount on the greens fees? Uh, I, I won't go play it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be back. Uh-uh. Can't support it. No, no, it's so, too many places to go. Yeah, for sure. So did that, did that time over there, um, change the way you look at clothes i mean as a southern california guy first time you've been in cold weather yeah. and all that stuff yeah no it was uh yeah it was a bit of an eye-opener and uh it was a great experience even though it, it really it was one of those things that wasn't successful but you learn a lot you know yeah so um it's helped me a ton you know later on especially the whole goat hill thing i could have never i could have never done that without having done that yeah you know what I mean? Well, let's just—I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the goat. Let's just get into it. This is a per, this is perfect segue. segue. Yeah, well done, <laughs> smooth. So, I'm sure the listeners by now have heard of Goat Hill. It's it's a, a very humble little course in a scrappy corner of Oceanside, mm-hmm. not far from here. But tell us about uh, your how you discovered it and how you decided that you wanted to make it. You know, your life's work essentially. I know it's crazy, but you know. It, it's been around since 1952, and um, you know when I when I was in high school, we used to play matches on it uh, with the team over here, El Camino High School. Uh, but then it was a nine-hole golf course regulation, and um, uh, you know it was it was a cool golf course. It was nothing phenomenal, and uh, so fast forward to like you know 2000 seven eight nine in there we we started playing it um again it's just but in the 80s some guy had got a hold of it and changed it into an 18 hole short course yeah he had to he rerouted it and did a really good job it's a pretty cool track but it was really like just a just a low-end muni it was called center city golf course but everybody called it the goat you know um anyway so we you know 
it was 10 bucks to play nine. We'd go, I'd go play there with my buddies that lived in this area. And, um, when we started Link Soul, we wanted to put it in Oceanside in this space. We found the space before we even started the company, actually, because, <laughs> but we knew we wanted to start the company. So we moved into the lab here on the Coast Highway. And, and then it's, I mean, it's literally a mile from here as the crow flies, you know. So um, we're playing along, and, and, and all of a, I mean, the course just started getting terrible shape. Like, they quit taking care of it, you know. It was like Those are drought years, super, too. Super rundown, drought years. It was, like, obvious the city council. It's, it's a public land. The city owns the land, and it was managed by the city. And it was obvious they were kind of trying to run into the ground. You know, so they could, their goal was to put an RFP on it, which, you know, to get a developer in to put a, a bunch of condos or a strip mall or both. and Just yeah. what Southern California needs. Yeah. More condos and strip malls. Right. So it's 75 acres. It's got ocean views. It's like a $100 million piece of property, no doubt. I mean, in today's world, you would never go, oh, let's build a muni there and <laughs> charge 20 bucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Never happened. Yeah. So... We got the crazy idea of, of when they requested the for proposal that, hey, let's put our own proposal in. Let's, you know. I mean, San Luis Rey Golf Course, where I grew up playing, where I learned to play, it was gone just like the year before that. Um, Escanio Country Club, where I played high school golf, our team played, that was gone. There was like a handful of courses that were just going away. And so it's like having your past erased. Right. And so I'm like going, we can't just sit back and like, we got to at least try. At least we know if we put a plan in, we know we at least tried. Like, we don't think we'll get it, you know. <laughs> so we put this benevolent plan together that we're going to fix up the golf course, put, you know, clean up the clubhouse. We had North County Junior Golf. That'll be the home of the North County Junior Golf. Someday we'll build maybe a new clubhouse, you know, put in some gardens, blah, 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 you know, like this super idealistic plan, you know. And uh, and sure enough, the whole city the whole city got behind our plan. Like <laughs> we went to these packed like city council meetings, you know, yeah. with these other developers. And anyway, long story short, they, we ended up getting, we went, won the proposal. Were you it, shocked? Yeah, shocked and like, oh shit! Now what are we gonna do? That we weren't planning on getting it, you know. <laughs> Who's we, by the oh way? I mean, who God. are the other well, visionaries? Here? Well, Jeff, you know, my, you know, Jeff, my co-founder at Linksoul and design yeah. partner and yeah. nephew. Um, he was part of the process. And then David Emmerich, North County Junior Golf, and a couple other people. Uh, definitely the whole community. The yeah. whole community rallied behind it. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it was. Uh, it was it was just destined like we had to do it you know and it kind of fits into our whole link soul you know the soul of the game to me is at that level of uh but so we kind of you know that was a whole long story too but we we ended up rolling up our sleeves and had a few volunteer days and you know just started nursing this thing back to life cuz it was pretty bad i mean it was nothing but dirt really at the end of the thing yeah they had like three carts that worked and they were doing like, you know, a handful of rounds a day. And it was, it was pretty crazy, but it's, it, it's been amazing though, to see it all happen. And, um, 
mean, you've done some large scale things. I mean, changing the irrigation system. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a big thing to do in say California. Well, the, 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 we've just been really lucky with this project because I mean, I think it was like all the, all the planets that were aligning to make it happen in a way, you know, because you know, the, the, the drought ended up working in our favor because they had this thing called the a turf reduction program with the state. Did you hear about? You've heard about yeah. that, right? Yeah. So it's two dollars a square foot if you reduce if you reduced your turf footprint. As mostly for homeowners with their front lawns, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. A, but they had a commercial aspect to sure. it. Sure. Which was the same thing. So, and and a couple other golf courses had done it. I thought, oh my god, I'm going to try that. So, we we laid out this map where we. Our irrigation system was horrible. Every day, something broke. The main line, the main line part of it goes back to 1950. Wow, it's it was concrete asbestos pipe, <laughs> right? So, I'm thinking, okay, well, we put in for 27.2 acres. It's 43,000 some odd feet in a in an acre, right? Yeah. We got two point three million dollar. That is unbelievable. Uh, grant to fix, you know, to to reduce the turf footprint. But part of that was if you had to redo your irrigation system to bring it in, then you could use it for that. Yeah. So we got to redo our whole irrigation system, uh, and do all kinds of work on the, you know, to the cores to make it more efficient and, uh, and playable. And as you say, the plants aligned. Didn't Gil Hans just show up one day and start doing bunkers for you? Like, how did how did that work? No, that was a different part. But uh, I'm trying to think. We got a lot of help from a lot of people in the industry. It's been it's just been one of those things. Everybody's rallying about around it. But um, uh, I'm trying to think. Gil Hans, no, Gil Hans. We we met a few years ago and played in this tournament together and became friends. And and uh, he he loved what we we're doing. He said, if I can ever help, let me know. And and sure enough, part of our plan was to put a little kids course in, like a a three hole, you know, on an acre. We got this acre of land that that part of our original proposal. We said we're going to put a kids course, like North Barrick, right? They have the Love kids that. course. It was the, that was the our best. fantasy, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, you know, but we hadn't done it. We hadn't done it as part of our requirement was to do that. And um, and Gill happened to be redoing the uh, Callaway practice facility. Right. So he was in town. So I, te- I, te- I think I texted him or called him. I said, hey, you know, what do you think about coming and checking this short course that we talked about? Well, yeah, I could throw it out to him about a year ago. And I go, hey, what do you think? So he, he came over and we looked at it and talked about it. And, um, and, sure, and sure enough, his shaper was there, Seamus, this really cool guy. And... Uh, he goes, well, Seamus can be here for a week and he's almost done over there. So he can pop over here and help you out. And, you know, maybe we can do this and do that. And, you know, no formal plans or anything. I go, yeah, that sounds good. So <laughs> he came over, spent the week and just dialed this whole thing in. And, uh, I mean, that's big time. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, everybody likes to give back at that public level, I think, you know, um, so it's. Well, it's also you're here. You know, you're one town over from Carlsbad, which is the epicenter of the whole industry. If yeah. you can't make a public golf course work right. here, yeah. where can it work? I know that's true. That's what we're up against. You know, but it's things that have happened out of you know. We saw we we started the Save Goat Hill project. You know, with a T-shirt and mm-hmm. you know, sent it to celebrities like Bill Murray, right? 
sent it to Bill Murray. We we had a couple mutual friends. I had, I hadn't met him yet, but I just sent him a note. What we were doing, we're trying to save this muni, and we know how much you love golf, and you know, hate to ask, but if you could ever take a photograph of yourself in that T-shirt so we could put it on our website, it would probably help a bunch, right? So I didn't hear from him. Probably two, three months later, I was thinking about it, and and uh, and I, I didn't know if we ever would, but all of a sudden, this package comes in the mail, and it's him with the Save Goat Hill shirt on, with his under over his tux over his tux from the 40th uh, reunion of the Saturday Night Live uh, show. Nice in New York City. I was like, oh my god, how awesome is that? You know. <laughs> But we had Kelly Slater send photographs, and you know, uh, just Adam Scott, you know, bunch of bunch of guys. It was really cool. So that really helped because we we raised a little bit of dough on a GoFundMe effort. Um, but we kind of scrapped and clawed, and you know, the thing. I feel like it's saved now. You know, I mean, three and a half years later. Well, and you've got a caddy program. You've got all kinds of. We got a great, yeah. We got a great caddy program. We kind of adopted that Solich Caddy Academy program, and we did it this last summer. It was very successful. We had, I think, ten kids. Um, we have a great junior golf program. You know, we got a great little men's club, women's club. You know, Dean Wilson's. You know, he's our. Reigning club champ. <laughs> yeah. He loves it out there. Yeah. We just had the wishbone brawl, which was just amazing. I saw photos. It was a big turnout. Tell me about that. So that came out of nowhere. I mean, <clears throat> Dean, you know, he just he just was in here one day and said, hey, you know, what do you think about if we do an exhibition match out at the GOAT, like, over Thanksgiving and try to raise some money for charity? And I'm like, dude, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. And I, I didn't know if he'd actually follow up, but. He starts texting people right then. He goes, oh, I got Charlie. Charlie's in. Charlie Hoffman. Yeah, Charlie Hoffman. Oh, got Mike. Where? Where's he's in? Oh, got Chris Riley. He's in. You know, I was like, okay, I guess we got to do this thing, you know? <laughs> it's like a month ago. So anyway, uh, Weir ended up bailing because he had a, uh, he got an exemption to the Australian Open. And then, uh, so we thought, God, let's ask Xander. You know, he's a local guy and. Uh, and the charity we were going to do was uh, for his for Ryan Moore, Ryan Donovan, um, who's the golf coach at San Diego State. His daughter, he just went on, He just did a GoFundMe page for his daughter because she has this really awful disease. She's five years old, cute as a button, and um, and we thought let's rally around you know a local guy and it's like locals coming together to help locals kind of thing and. And so Xander goes, yeah, I'm going to be home, you know, let's do it, you know. And uh, this is Xander Choffley. He's one of yeah. the yeah, hottest, players, yeah, hottest players on in golf right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then just the coolest kid, you know. Um, so he, you know, he, he came over. Uh, and we just had a great day. It was, there was, it was old school, you know. We, I told him, I go, you guys are going to be hitting persimmons. You know, we just we're just doing the Link Soul Persimmon Woods, which is a whole nother story. But they're so pure. Yeah. They just came out, and the course is short. You know, Goat Hill Park's only par sixty five, and it's uh, about forty five hundred yards long, so it's not demanding length. But you do hit a lot of drivers. You can hit a lot of drivers and three woods and stuff. So they were all excited. They said, "Yeah, let's hit woods." And um, 
I said, there's no dress code. Just come however you feel comfortable. We don't have a dress code at the GOAT. Charlie was in flip-flops, right? Charlie played in a T-shirt and flip-flops. They all had shorts on, you know. We had no ropes. Kids kids were free. Grown-ups were 20 bucks. That all went to the charity. We ra- we ended up raising for the day about, I, I want to say it's 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 over 20 grand. That's okay. Uh, what was the turnout, would you estimate? I think we had about 600 people. Yeah. I mean, it looked like watching footage from the 30s when there were no ropes yeah. and people are all over the golf course. And yeah. That was really neat. We had dog. We probably had at least a dozen dogs on leashes. We had, <laughs> you know, a bunch of kids. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, there was a lot that went into like just, you know, three-week cramming just to make sure everything was going to work. And, um, and then my goal is just to get them to the first tee and then like, this is the concept guys just go do it you know two-man best ball and they had a blast i mean everybody there was just freaking out about this is the coolest thing i've ever been to you know because the whole right the way it went down the energy was like everybody was smiling and like dean shot 58 is that right I think he shot 59. There was a, there was a mistake on the car. There was like, you know. <laughs> oh. So Shaffley and. Davis Enzo. I yeah, know, I know. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they both shot 59. They pretty much took it to them. They, uh, they, they, they won the match five and four. And then they had a, they had a press that they paid for a hundred bucks a piece, but they tied that. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So this is obviously going to be an annual thing. You well, can't... everybody said that. Everybody, even even, and I go, Xander, you're going to defend next year. And he goes, Oh yeah, for sure, I'm coming back. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it will be an annual thing. I mean, I, I just love how organic the whole the whole enterprise is. Yeah, and not just not just the wishbone, but sort of the goat, even the company. I mean, there's, there's sort of an authenticity there that is rare. In this corporate world, we I guess in. it is, but we just, you know, we make it up as we go along. You know, I don't. There's no roadmap. Like, there's no like, oh, you got to turn right here. No, you, you know, I don't know if I had turned right or left there. You know, but you made it. So you go right or left, and you know, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's that's a worldview. That's a lifestyle you just yeah. described. Yeah, I know. No, it's been great. Been very lucky. All right. Well, that seems like a, probably a good place to end it. So thanks for doing this, John. It was, it was great fun. Uh, thank you to the listeners who have been on this journey with us and made it to the very end. Your reward is a reminder of the, the coupon code you can get it on the LinkSoul website. NUC20. Plug it in for uh, 20% off. And uh, that's all we have today. <laughs> This is Alan Shipanuck signing off from the Link Soul Lab in Oceanside, California. Thanks for listening, and we'll do it again soon.